Hello, it's Philly here from the Ending Body Burnout Show. I am so excited to bring you a special guest today, Dr. Ali Young. I'm a big fan of Dr. Ali's work and how she is championing working mums and mums running health businesses like myself. <laughs> Plus, I think she is just an awesome and sparkly human being in general. We have so many things in common, right down to our own body burnout stories, the old dysfunctional patterns that led to our burnout and how we went about healing our own bodies and why we now do what we do. You'll be, if you've listened to my story before and then you hear Dr. Ali's, you'll see that there are so many similarities. Um, We are kindred spirits. (laughs) So I know you're going to love this convo. So before we jump in, just the official stuff about Dr. Ali Young, her bio. So she is a health and business strategist for working mums owning health practices. After 20 years in practice, authoring her book, Work Mama Live, which we'll chat about in the podcast, And recovering through her own burnout journey, she is determined to support working mums in the healthcare space to show up for themselves first and then to create meaningful connections and a profitable business. So let's dive right in to my conversation I had with Dr. Ali today. Hello and welcome to the Ending Body Burnout Show, where your hosts, Chris and Philly, co-founders of multi-award-winning functional medicine practice, serving busy people with energy, mood and gut issues. While busyness, overworking, addictive doing and perfectionism might be the norm, it's not normal and it's a major contributor to health issues. Our goal with this show is to give you a holistic root, root cause approach to healing your body so that you don't have to continue doctor or diet hopping or popping a gazillion supplements hoping something might stick. So get ready to heal your body, get your spark back, deeply connect with yourself and step into the life of your dreams. Let's dive in. Alrighty, I am so excited to have Dr. Ali here on our podcast today. We actually chatted, well, I think I was on yours maybe about a year ago. Yeah, I'd say and prior, about a year. Yeah. yeah, and prior to that, I was following you for quite a while and just think that you're just so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto, straight back at you. <laughs> awesome at everything that you do in business and in the healthcare and in like the the working mom, business mom burnout space. So we have a, a lot in common there. Um, but just also just so sparkly and happy and inspiring human being. So I'm so excited oh. to have you on the podcast today. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. I was very excited to get you invited. I was like, oh, yay, this is great. <laughs> yeah, the love. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so I always love to just dive right into our guests' personal body burnout stories because most of them have had it, which is also why a lot of us either get into healthcare or, as I'm sure we will find out from you, sometimes healthcare also burns practitioners out. (laughs) Oh, massively. I'm seeing it so much. I was actually, we had um, an allied health meetup where I live in central Queensland last night and I was talking, it was a group of 10 of us nine females one male and I think most of the women at the table who are older than 30 so there are a couple of whippersnappers there um Mm. have gone through burnout in some description just from the giving of themselves all the time 
like yeah. it's just that constant giving out, not knowing how to fill their own cup. Yeah, yeah, and it is. It's such a service based, well, service based. So it's like yeah. caring role, and sometimes practitioners yes. get lost in that. Absolutely, yeah. So can we rewind? Because I would love to talk more about that yes. a little bit later. But can we yeah. rewind? I think it was it before. It was after kids for you, hey, or yeah, before it was kids? After kids. After, no, kids. after kids. So okay. we. I'd been in practice for 12, 13 years before I got pregnant and um, I got married and I actually had sold my practice and then found out I was pregnant at the same time and then we were moving overseas to Malaysia so I got to experience my first pregnancy not in practice which was great and um, and then I went back and we were living in Malaysia and then we'd been in Perth living so we moved back to Perth to birth Perth to birth I always think that's great and then when she was two and a half weeks old and she was born at 2.6 kilos so we are talking the tiniest of tiny humans mm. we put on an airplane and we moved back to Malaysia to no support and um, and it was definitely an eye-opening experience. But I had this thing inside me that I had to keep doing something because I was bored, as mm. many mums, I think, do who've had a career. So I was mentoring women online and stuff. And then we fast forward a little bit and I have a little at-home practice where we've moved to in Australia and then I get pregnant again. And then we, and then 10 weeks after he's born, I take a lease on a building, spend five weeks fitting it out. And when he's four months old, I go back to work two days a week because, you know, wow. yep. <laughs> and they were born 23 months apart. So I was retrospective. Who I want to do that for? Anyway, and um, and at the end of that nine months of trying to juggle everything, my husband got a job in South Korea. So then I just closed the doors and said, I'll be back. And um, we moved to South Korea for nearly two years. And then came back and hit the ground hard, like really hard, 2017, 18, I think it was. Mm. And by the end of 2019, I was in full burnout. Yeah, yeah. So navigating a husband working crazy hours, running a practice, employing staff, um, speaking at conferences, uh, two tiny humans, beginning school, all the things. And my body went nuts. So it kicked off with my son headbutting me under my chin in a vigorous cuddle and so it was a physical stimulus and it gave me an occipital neuralgia which is like I felt like there was a tingly spider on my face all the time mm. and then I got this red butterfly rash that went all the way which this camera actually makes me look like I still have to <laughs> um and it went all over my face and then I gained 10 kilos in three weeks Ow. and at this Point, uh, sorry not three weeks three months still rapid weight gain in my yeah, yeah, yeah. and um at this point in time I was like there's just something seriously wrong with me and I thought with all my knowledge that I had a pituitary tumor or mm. at a really weird way of my um M of MS showing up because it was still bilateral mm. so I was like oh maybe my MS is just different so I went and cried with my GP who is an integrative GP so she's like really supportive and so she said well let's get rid of the big stuff because I don't think it's that so we went and did all the tests mm. and it wasn't that and then we did all the hormone testing and my cortisol was like Cushing's level it was like horrendous and we went right so we went into repair the gut mode and I lost the 10 kilos over 
five months probably it took me mm. to get yeah which was great yeah and repaired it but the lifestyle changes are the biggest thing for me that I had to do yeah. and it was slowing down purposefully and then COVID happened as well so that happened bef- just at the start of COVID so then we were mm. navigating all of that in a stressful health environment too crazy can yes. we touch on the gut stuff because I think you did a yeah. still test hey Oh, yeah. So yeah. I had defrag. I had a really lovely parasite hanging out. Same, same, same. I know. <laughs> I'm like, you know, every now and then I lie in bed and I'm like, oh, maybe he's back. Maybe he's back. <laughs> right. Let's get the parrots out. Um, so I did a really deep parasite cleanse guided by an integrative nutritionist. And, um, and my GP, which was great. I didn't want to go on antibiotics. So we were able to get that under control naturally which was awesome and um and then a lot of uh dietary change so it's only now like I flip and change still I was really addicted to caffeine leading up to my burnout which isn't surprising because I was just trying to hit all the receptors and alcohol at night time to calm me down I was like doing all the bad things and I knew they were bad but I was like it's fine it's just a season it's coming up to Christmas you know you're rationalizing all the things yeah once I get through this I'll have my two-week holiday and everything will be fine and yeah I'll go back to normal no um and so it's only now that I can have like one coffee a day and my Mm. body's like okay with that but then if it's a stressful period I actually can't drink caffeine my body's like no don't have that yeah Um, I just love the flavor. So it's a real catch 22 for me. Um, decaf, decaf, not the same. <laughs> no, I get headaches from decaf. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. My, my system's really quite like, and I have to have certain beans from a certain cafe. My husband's like, you are the worst coffee snob ever. <laughs> it has to be organic. And like, yeah. I'm At least it's all like good quality and, you know. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> um, and yeah, but. As part of my journey, I did a really in-depth DNA testing too, which Mm. I have found incredible to guide me on the things that you think are healthy Mm -hmm. and that you think you're doing good things. Like over the course of the years leading up to my big burnout, we had tried all the things, paleo, raw, vegetarian, vegan, pretty much carnivore, um, always whole foods based. But, you know, the heavy loading of nuts and seeds and the high high fat levels when I then dived into my DNA testing my body was like actually I don't break that stuff down really well Ali and Mm. so just changing away from that to just really clean fruits and veggies and like leaner healthier meats has just been really fabulous yeah that's so cool did the DNA test show up mutations or anything like that or it was more the lifestyle based nutrition Um, one it did both it was really good um and there's 14 celiacs in my family Mm. so interestingly it did show that showed up as well um I'd already stopped eating gluten before I went to the GP to say hey I think I've got this gluten problem and they're like well you've got to eat gluten I'm like I'm not eating gluten so um I just don't eat it and say yeah that's me um Yeah, so it did show up some gene mutations. It showed up a lot of like liver issues, so detox pathways that don't work, mm. um, stuff like that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. So with more, you've written a book, which I'm going to talk about that in a secy. But with more hindsight and wisdom, if you think about the the root cause of why you burned down in the first place, so there was lots of 
busyness and doing all the things. And, you know, a lot of people just see that as, oh, it was just stress. Stress burnt me out. But do you yeah. feel like, like, what's the deeper root cause? What actually, yeah, what actually yeah. kind of like triggered it all? <laughs> yeah, I think it was the wanting to show everyone that I could do everything. Mm. So this really deep-seated cause that, because um, I chose a profession, it was very different to the rest of my family. My family all come more medical background. And then I'm the weirdo chiropractor on the side who thinks that uh, the body has a magic to heal itself. And maybe you don't need to take all those lotions and potions. And so I had think that I have this real innate sense of, I'm going to prove you wrong and I'm mm. going to show you and do it my way. And Rebel. Um, yeah, <laughs> with a cause. Um, and so that's where it came from. And also, I think marrying later in life and having had such a big career before that point in time, I also wanted to prove to myself that having kids didn't mean that I lost me. Mm. And so I really wanted to mm. prove that subconsciously. And I think now the beauty, the beauty is that you can, it's given me such a beautiful window into how you can maintain yourself, but maintaining yourself doesn't mean missing out on all the other stuff as well, which is really nice. Yeah. yeah I always say your mess is in your message. So you kind of need to yeah. go through all of that to get the learnings yes, and the, exactly. and the gift to then be like, Oh, now I'm like so much wiser. And like, yes. I understand how to do <laughs> life better. Yeah. I've got this thing going on. I've got this thing. Yeah. It's so huge though, like in our practice, you know, we do all the, the physical stuff and the lab testing and the diets and, you know, all of that is so important for the health of the body, but it's the subconscious stuff. I think that yeah. just like, it's, it's, it's where it all starts. It's huge. Absolutely. And, and the pattern's going to keep repeating until mm -hmm. we can identify the subconscious self of why that pattern's repeating anyway. Yeah. 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 So your book, Work Mama Life. That came out, was it a last year? Ago. A year yeah. ago. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I actually purchased this book from you, September at Ozmompreneur. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember saying to you, I really want to read it, but I'm writing my own book, which may have some crossovers. So I'm going to so hold it on my bookshelf. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hold it on my bookshelf until I finish my drafts. Anyway, yeah. so I recently read it maybe about three months ago. And it's kind of cool too. It's like, wow, this is like so much different to mine because we each have our own unique story you also yeah. have a different um like you're a chiropractor by trade and you've had a different journey as well yeah but there was so much too that I learned I'm like oh yeah I'll probably know all this but I'm just like oh my gosh like you just yeah. have such really cool insights in the book and really specific to the working mum juggle yeah. like yeah. and I love that so what was your big why for writing the book uh, I think because I was having the same conversation repetitively and particularly I wrote it during COVID. So mm. I wrote it in a period of time where working mums were under extraordinary stress with their, their having to school at home and then having to work at home and run a home and make everything happen within four walls. And we were seeing the amount of stress load in humans that I was seeing and in women I to this day I experience it in fits and spurts now but nothing was like that I would come home and I would be like energetically no one please talk to me right now I just need mm. to sit I just need to be and just let my body do what it needs to do and feel through this and then I will come and converse with you it was that heavy load and I was like 
how can I support women as doing it one-to-one is really hard. So how can I do this in a way where I can actually make an impact on women the world over? Yeah. So that's where it came from. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cause it is, it's time consuming, but mm. it's just like, well, this is it, gold yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and millions, millions can read it. Yeah. So part, part one of the book looks at balancing work and motherhood and life. And this is a space I'm really passionate about as well, because I just see like, again, we do work with a lot of mums and it is, it's the juggle, the juggle that burns them out. But like deeper than that is the patterns that lead to that in the first place. Mm-hmm. I loved a lot of the research and insights you had around modern mums and their susceptibility to stress and burnout. Can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, let's I get all feminist. I know, right? <laughs> well, we are. I'm not quite Clementine <laughs> level, but you know, I'll try. Um, So I think with the modern society and the driving of us having to show up in certain ways in certain places at certain times of the day, we aren't honouring rest ever. And if we rest, and I know I come from a long line of martyrdom mothers, resting is seen as naughty. It's evil, Mm. you're a bad mum and you shouldn't do these things because there's always jobs to do and the jobs are more important than you. So you've got to do these things to prove your worth as a mother. And then we then in the 19, or during World War II, the women went to work because the men were at war. And then the men came back and wanted their jobs back. So the government actually created advertising campaigns that a good mum stays home with her children. Yeah. Wow. So that's where the good mum concept came from. Yeah, it's nuts. And then we parlay that into the expectation now that a good mum probably has a job because you've got to help provide for your family because life is really expensive right now you Mm. know this whole rhetoric out there Mm. and so but we're expecting our mums to work as if they don't have children and we're expecting them to parent as if they don't have a job and we have these societal expectations that that's what makes a good mum and that it is only one way And then you add in Instagram and Facebook where we get all of the influencers with their prams and their certain size clothing and their pretty outfits and you're like, wow. Perfect hair. Perfect hair. I need a haircut, sorry. (laughs) I Um, love your hair. (laughs) And, yeah, it is next level. And the loading on women these days is just it boggles my mind on a daily basis that we have an expectation and then we create maternal gatekeeping scenarios within their family because the mum feels like she needs to carry that entire mental load of the whole family because she's the only one that knows what's happening and when. And um, and so even if she's not doing the thing, she's the one who said, oh, you need to go and do the thing to mm. the husband or the partner. And so it's just continuing that process of reliance on the the mother figure but also having to do the other stuff as well yeah it's huge I, it makes me think about the subconscious stuff as well and your story about world world war ii so already kind of like generationally and maybe even when we were born there were these yeah. agreements that were kind of being made in our subconscious Stop state anyway yeah. yeah exactly right yeah. And then it's like, whoa, and then like new and different messages. And so like that alone too, from a subconscious yeah. level is just, it's like, it's war. <laughs> exactly. And, and you can never feel, you can never feel um, relaxed 
with whatever you're doing was my experience as well. It was just like, oh, if I was resting or playing with the kids, I'd have guilt around, oh, but the business might fall apart or, oh, I'm working too much and I'm not spending time with the kids. So like I'm a bad mom just becomes this. Yeah. And like, and, and it shifts like last night I was at work until really late. My husband actually had a work meeting that went until really late. So yesterday morning I put food in the slow cooker and I pre-cooked some rice and I had it in the fridge and I was like, guys, you're going to learn how to heat the rice up and how to scoop safely out of the slow cooker. Have fun with that tonight. And this morning when I checked in with them, they're like, oh, we were so good at that, mum. Really easy. And I was like, great we've empowered you you feel like you've achieved something um we're changing the generations it wasn't just my daughter who had to do it my son had to do it as well like you know and so it's planting those seeds for the future generation I think if we can recognize and change patterning which is important yeah I think a big light bulb moment was me for me was uh was it a couple of years ago this is in terms of the workload and kind of like how unfair it is, but also I, I'd allowed it to be that way because, you know, I was actually really good at getting the things done and no one else yeah, could do it as good as me. And, and you know what my my mum always has said to me, she's like, Ali, you are too good at too many things. You need to not be good at all the stuff. Just be so crap. I help you. And I was yes. like, well, that's, not, that's not in my MO, mum. And she's like, well, it's good for you if you do that. So, yes. <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah. I remember I was filling out the census form and there was a question around, um, like your partner. So how many hours do you work and how many hours does your partner work and how many hours do you do childcare and housework and how many, and I was just like, we work the same hours. I'm doing like quadruple the time. And I like storm down to Chris, I'm like this has to change. <laughs> and it, and it actually has He's a bit hopeless. I'll just say it out loud publicly. I hope you're listening to this, Chris. But I've actually backed off what I do. So our house is pretty messy most of the time and I'm totally okay with that as opposed to three times a day tidying everything up. Oh, that's so not my jam. Yeah, you know, we have had a big switching in stepping up of responsibility recently too, actually, which has been really nice. But I found that my subconscious story was that I still have to be involved. Like I really like doing Mm. those things and so I've had to go like my husband took my daughter clothes shopping the other day and I was like oh he's like well I'll take her to buy shorts and you can watch soccer and I was like okay yeah yeah all right fine whereas in my mind I'm like oh no that's a mum job but it's not necessarily a mum job it's a parent job yeah and so just stay changing that narrative is really good too yep new rules new agreements (laughs) exactly um so part two of the book looks at the five pillars of healthy motherhood and I think for you you said in your own body burnout journey that lifestyle was a big change a big thing that needed to change for you that made a big difference so what are what are the five pillars yes and why do you think they're so important like why did these five make the book (laughs) these five made the book you know what I'd probably add in a sixth now which is environment yeah um uh that's okay you learn um second edition second edition exactly there's a few things I'd add in I'd go way deeper into polyvagal theory too but anyway um so nourishment so how we feel our body matters we Mm -hmm. can do all of the things but particularly in recovery mode from burnout I think that there is nothing more important than identifying what your triggers are for calm state and inflammation because burnout is such a key inflammatory source so we really need to be aware of that and i think 
it, if you are significantly in that getting guidance around that is really important from a professional not like reading my book is fine and the recipes at the back are great but I think there is so much more to that than we need um and then it was movement um I think also learning I spent years doing 10 to 14 workouts a week just because I love movement in my body Mm -hmm. um but the way I was moving was making my body much worse and Mm -hmm. it's often not spoken about I'm seeing it pop up a little bit more on Instagram these days but the concept that to move well has to be high intensity high impact that's what's going to make a difference to your health isn't true and Mm. we need to honor that if we're going through a health journey and recovery slow movements with breath that just move gently through our spine activate our brain yes some weight bearing is really important but we need to honor that at some stages maybe yoga and pilates and a walk and maybe a bike ride isn't perfect for you and you don't need to go running for 10ks every day like it's just not the jam yeah Yeah, I remember that Um, was a big one sorry for for me too doing CrossFit I think (laughs) before and after kids and I was just like but I should be able to do this because I could do it before kids and just month by month my ability to perform was just like I got to the point where I couldn't really even do stand-up squats like chair squats without feeling shaky and horrible but it took me so long to let go yes of that identity (laughs) yeah and isn't it amazing when you do that you go ah it's all right that I don't do that anymore Mm. and you'll find that when you get to that sense of peace within your body that um it likes you back better anyway like when you love on your body in the way that it needs to be loved on it's like ah you're warm hugging me I am going to warm hug you back in this scenario yeah. yeah. And that adrenal fatigue post a big workout is a key indicator. Like if you're doing a hard workout, but then you're taking two full days to recover from that, it's bombing you out, you're needing to go home and sleep. That is a big red flag mm-hmm. that your system isn't coping well. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that that's something that isn't spoken about either. Oh, yeah, do a workout, then I go home and nap. No, mate, mm-hmm. that's the wrong way around. Mm. Um, and it's the narrative too, I think, in fitness, like no pain, no gain, go hard, yeah. get the results. You can yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah well the you can do it now caused me to have a pelvic floor surgery so let's change that shall we? <laughs> <laughs> um and then the next one is sleep and mm. i i think that was one of my biggest things i used to stay up at night as many mums do having my me time um mm. and it was lots of varied things it would be watching tv it would be reading a book it would just be cooking lots of food ready for the next day so I didn't have to do it in the morning and then I was getting up early because that's my natural body clock and exercising really heavily and then going to work for a full day which is a physical job and having the kids and doing it all again so Mm honoring rest and sleep and we are in bed at between 8 30 and 9 every day and nice. I get up at probably 5 30 most mornings sometimes five like yesterday I naturally was awake at five I was like oh great so that was really good um yeah. but yeah it, 
And I was see- naturally awake at 7.45 today. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, crap, I've got a podcast with Ali. <laughs> <laughs> but you're in Tasmania. I know. probably like still dark at 7.45. It is. We're yeah, like bears so- hibernating here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So your body's doing exactly what it's meant to do. I'm in central <laughs> Queensland. I was like complaining to my mum it was 17 degrees today and I was cold. So she like, <laughs> stopped talking to me. She's I like, hate you. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think, and looking at our quality of sleep and recognizing waking between 2 and 4 a.m. every night is not a great thing. And Mm. so what are the things? And still to this day, the action steps I took in that regard have been huge. So it was screens off 30 minutes before bed, um, making sure I'm hydrated enough during the day so that I'm not relying on hydration before bedtime because then I would obviously wake up to go to the bathroom. Mm. Um, not having coffee after lunch, which I don't do anyway, minimizing any alcohol intake or dark chocolate intake on the couch Um, and lying on a shark tea mat as I went to sleep and doing breath work to just really get that rhythm and giving myself a sleep routine that was like a baby. It was great. Um, (laughs) And then connection, which I think is uh, the thing that when we become busy working mums, the easiest thing to stop doing is connecting with our girlfriends and Mm. often with our spouses. And the thing that defines us as humans is the way that our brain feeds and thrives energetically, physically, neurologically off the brains that are around us. And that's Mm. why we have that beautiful saying that you are as good as the five people that you surround yourself with most Mm. of the time. And it's so true. And we used to think that was woo-woo and now we look at research by Bruce Lipton and Joe Dispenza Mm. and we know actually that's neurologically the truth and that is really really important um yeah to honor that we need that and as women specifically the way we like to connect is different so Mm. um honoring that and finally thinking and calm Mm. um and learning that meditation for me doesn't need to be an hour because my brain works super quickly and sitting for an hour the thought of sitting for an hour if I'm at a meditation retreat completely different but the thought of every day forcing myself to sit for an hour I know that's not going to happen but I can calm myself through breath work and a 10 minute meditation Mm -hmm. just as well so just beginning that process re restarting journaling restarting gratitude thinking about manifestation thinking about the things that calm my brain and just give me that expansive state again rather than that closed-minded doing state Mm. I love that too like it's not necessarily the quantity it's the quality and it's whatever suits with you know your lifestyle or the way that you are as a person yeah um with all of those, so if someone's listening to those five pillars and they're feeling busy and burnt out and juggling all the things, so if a yeah. mom were listening to that, well, how can they, like, what are some easy ways that they can yeah. implement those things? Or where would you start with all of that sort of stuff? The first thing I would probably do is download, well, first thing I would do is actually just learn to pause. Mm-hmm. So the perfection is in the pause and you can pause at any time of the day and that pause can look however it needs to look for you it can be just sitting for five minutes with a cup of tea it can be having a drink of water it can be being on the toilet it can be wherever it needs to be just and asking your body the question what do I need right now where am I at what do I need right now and listening in to what that response is um 
I think as busy working mums, the most powerful thing we do is can do is spend a week auditing where our time goes because we are often quite surprised by that. And I've got a free download on that. You probably have one as well um, on my website. And and you can just go and it steps you through the process of figuring out how your time is spent and then looking at, okay, great. So if I wanted to change three meals a week to be better for me and I wanted to move my body gently, I would need 20 minutes to move my body gently three days a week and I probably need 45 minutes of food prep on a Sunday. Mm. Let's see how we can make this happen and let's honour that we want to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think remembering that it can be simple, like the dinner the night before can be your lunch that next day. It doesn't totally have love to leftovers. Leftovers <laughs> in the bomb. I'm already excited about lunch today. <laughs> I didn't take it. I'm like, please no. no. Um, but I think that we can make it really hard. We can put mm. up these conscious thoughts that are oh, to eat well has to be very, very difficult, but it mm. really is simple. It's just eating real food. If you can look at it and you know where it came from and where it was grown, then mm. like you're ticking boxes, just do that. Yeah. And and I find too, again, this is from personal experience, but if people are getting stuck in there, it's too hard um, or I need to do it perfectly or this is what it looks like on Google or on the influencers oh. gram, it's yeah. usually because of perfectionist patterns as well, where it's just like, Absolutely. hey, let's just like start deconstructing that and be okay with just eating Not well. Yeah. <laughs> Not being perfect. <laughs> do, do what feels good for you and it doesn't yeah. like it's letting go of all those old agreements. Um, yeah. So I'll make sure in the show notes that we have a link to yeah, the audit right. that you just mentioned. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, and then the last part of the book is about how mums can launch their new vital self back into life. And I loved how you talked about beliefs and values. So we touched on beliefs earlier. Hmm. Um, but can you talk a little bit more about that? So beliefs and values and how yeah. they're really important to healing from burnout. I think that we often just go through our paces through our life and don't really think about what matters to us. And if we can knuckle down on our values and the core beliefs that we've brought through with us, and we can make the change that we want to change in our life relatable to why that matters to those core beliefs, then we're much more likely to have that stick. And maybe in looking through those core beliefs and values, we go, oh, actually, that core belief can get lost because this is more important to me now. And they will often shift and change once you become a parent. Mm -hmm. I think uh, that values systems, and that's why we, I do values-driven practice now, because if we can knuckle down on making what matters most to our life the way we live our life, then we're going to be living in congruency. And when we live in congruency, our cells are happier, our brain is happier, things just flow a lot easier. Yeah. We're in that neurological flow state. It's really nice. Yeah, I love that. So good. So you've had a fascinating journey as a mum in business. So clinic owner, chiropractor, course creator for working mums, author, speaker, all the amazing things. And now you've moved into business coaching for mums in health. Yeah. So can you kind of like, like what's led to this transition into helping mums in allied health yeah, run their so, businesses? <laughs> yeah, I think that I was... um. It's funny, I'd go to a conference and I would be speaking to gorgeous women and they would be telling me their practice journey and how burnt out they were trying to make everything work. And I can speak that language, I've lived that language, I, can, I know what that feels and looks like. Mm -hmm. And I realised that in the way you set up a health practice space, there's a lot of masculine energy. There's a lot of men who do things and the hustle is what wins. Mm -hmm. And I look around me 
in physio world, chiro world, all the worlds. And, it, and it's do more, do it harder, do it faster. And that is the only way to make a profitable business. And mm. so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to disrupt that because society deserves more from the people providing health care for us. But those people providing health care deserve more for themselves and their families. Mm. And so by working as a business coach, it's really not. It's re- like, yes, I'll help you design every strategy and system procedure that you need to make your business work. But it's more about diving into, well, why do you want it to work a certain way? And what do you want that to look like? And what's yeah. the ideal scenario that that business and the shape that that would take for you? And how can we make that profitable? And and that's the cycle around. Yeah, I love yeah. that. It's so cool. I also feel like it's almost ironic that the people that you were speaking to and burnt out when they're helping other people come out of that or have like great health and then so even energetically as well, although they may have developed a profitable business. It's not working for them. It's not working for them. And this is like, I don't say this with judgment towards certain people who may be in health practice and burnt out, but it's almost like... You can make a bigger impact with the people that you work with when you're embodying like exactly right. what you're trying to do. And, and so, think, yeah. that ripple effect. Yeah. Like, there's a the famous BJ Palmer who was like the developer of chiropractic and he had this beautiful thing that I'm not going to bastardize, but it is great, where basically you never know how far reaching one thing you say or do is going to impact on that person that one person who slips on a snowy sidewalk, who goes home to his family and is grumpy, who then that grumpy family goes to work and then they impact on all of their colleagues. And then those colleagues go out into their community. Whereas you get that one person and you adjust them and you allow their bagel system to switch back on and they go home and they're connected with their families. And then those connected families go out into those workspaces and they're able to connect with their colleagues. And so you get that ripple effect. So if we can get to the core of that, then that's where we'll see that shift and change. Yeah. I love it. So good. So how do you run your business, mother, live your life now? (laughs) Yeah. So I have two days a week where I am not in my practice. In saying that, I did drop in this morning, but that was just to say hi because I love the people I work with. It's lovely. Um, Connecting. (laughs) I know. I'm like, hi, everyone who needs coffee. Is everyone okay? Okay, I'll go now. Um, And we have it set up. So I do. So historically, when I first graduated, I would do Monday all day, Tuesday all day, Wednesday morning, Thursday afternoon, Friday all day, Saturday morning. So eight shifts a week. Each shift was four or five hours long. Um, and I would have a gap in the middle of the day. So it was a lot. And in my 20s, I could do that with my eyes closed. Like that was fine. Once kids came into the mix, I was like, hell, I do not want to do that. But I thought that was the model that I had that you just turn up and you'll be busier and that's how you make your money and that's what works. And so now I've set it up that I do one big day on a Tuesday and that big day is still I do my school drop-off and I just don't do school pickup. So Mm -hmm. I'm there from nine till five, um, really business hours, which is really weird. Um, And I always have an hour and a half in the middle of the day so that I can eat my lunch quietly. I'm not standing up, rushing my food. Mm -hmm. Um, I just do all the little admin things that need to get done without it being hectic. So that's really nice. And then Wednesdays, I'm not in practice. Wednesday is actually my day for me. So I will go walking on the beach and stuff like that. It's beautiful. Got a massage later. And then Thursday, I do a morning. So I do 7.30 till lunchtime. And then Mm -hmm. Friday, I do 11 till 
five thirty, six o'clock in the afternoon, and then one Saturday a month, and that's it. Yeah. Um, awesome. And then I fit coaching work is in on a Friday morning before I start shift or mm -hmm. on a Monday, and yeah. so that's where I fit that in. So I'm very aware that I don't eat into like time that I have set aside for certain specific activities yeah which is really important and it gives me time to exercise when I want to so I am a very I prefer first wake up go move my body mm -hmm. and I do that but on Wednesdays I potter around in the kitchen and I make the middle of the week baking for lunch boxes and then I'll go to the beach generally and walk bare feet and detox through my soles and have a dip in the ocean and just have that quiet chill time and that's so good to me too. So good. So yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been, I just love chatting to you and listening to all of your wisdom. You're such an awesome human being. Do you have any anything else you want to add? Any last words of words of wisdom <laughs> to <laughs> our <laughs> listeners? <laughs> I think that we need to honor ourselves a lot more mm. than we do in current society. I think that you have such an innate power within you to be perfect um, and not perfect in the ticking every box and meeting everyone's stuff, but perfect in the way that your cells work and the way you can embody your sense of self, the way you energetically show up in the world. But to get to that, we have to honor that we need space, we need rest. We need to give ourselves that white space in our week, not fill our calendars. And that's how we will prevent that big burnout. Yeah, love it. Awesome. So I'll make sure I pop in the show, note, show notes how yeah. to get in touch with you. If people want to reach out to you, I'll also put a link to your book and to yeah, the audit. Cool. Is there anything else? That, yeah, nah, that's I, all good. yeah yeah I um I, I was going to run a 90-day mastermind for health practitioners in the end half of this year but I actually looked at my energy and I went you know what not I don't think that I would show up because I know the end of this year is going to be really busy so that's going to be in 2024 and, okay um, look out for that yeah, <laughs> look out for that it's going to be awesome we're going to have a retreat we're going to Ooh. hang out it's going to be so good awesome but I love that too. It's like, you could have, yeah. you could have ticked that one off, but it's just like listening to yourself, what feels right. Yeah. And um, I can't remember if I was talking to you on the podcast or if it was before, like with my book, I'm like, it doesn't really matter when it comes out. Yeah. It'll before, just, yeah. it will come out when it comes out. Like there's, there's no real yeah. deadline when you own your own business, anything can happen. <laughs> exactly right. And it's the gloriousness of it, isn't it? The yeah. ability to just go, ah, oh, nah, it'll be okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. No worries. Thanks for having me, Philly. Thank you so much for listening. We so appreciate you. If you'd like to give us extra smiles, drop us a review and spread the love by sharing this episode. You can also rate your own state of burnout and the root cause contributors by taking our Ending Body Burnout Assessment on our website. And if you're interested in learning about our group or one-on-one -on -one Ending Body Burnout programs, shoot us a DM via Instagram or Facebook. Have, Have the, the best, best day, day ever. ever. <laughs>